clothed with power. Gilberto Flores was a church leader whom I learned to know while we lived in Kansas. And he tells the story of a congregation that faced a dilemma. In 1976, the Center of Christian Discipleship Mennonite Church in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, was confronted with the news that the city committee in charge of the carnival had decided that year to celebrate in front of their church building. There would be two nights with music, dancing in the public street, an activity that would interfere with one of the important meetings of the congregation. As the church council considered this, they proposed three alternatives. One was to close that night and all stay home. Another was to have a meeting of only 30 minutes, or another was to shift that night to meetings of groups that met in homes. They wanted to avoid the din, the disorder, and the debauchery that normally went along with the carnival. The council left the meeting feeling that, at least for this event, it was better to separate themselves from the world that would contaminate them. On the following Sunday, the council's concern was laid before the congregation. The council hoped for a strong support for the idea of canceling the meeting for that date. There were a number of questions. And to the surprise of the council, the congregation decided to form a team to develop a proactive response to the carnival. Two weeks later, a survey was completed with the 150-member congregation. And at the next congregational meeting, there was unanimous agreement, quote, that under the leadership of the pastor, the church board would prepare a two-day program that would give witness to Jesus Christ in the midst of the disorderliness of the carnival, end quote. So they prepared a program that would be held in the parking lot of their church. It included music by their talented youth and coffee and refreshments to those served who would come onto the parking lot. Information about the church was provided. Chairs were available so that persons would be able to rest while they're listening to the music or to the 50 volunteers from the church who would share their testimony about Jesus during these evenings. A women's group prayed for two weeks in preparation for the event and continued in prayer during the entire first night of the carnival. At the beginning of the carnival, the church members were timid and fearful. To conquer their fear, everyone united in prayer. And after praying, things changed. Some members mingled with the dancers. And various things happened during the evenings. A group of the carnival organizers asked the church 
to reduce the length of their concerts so that people would go out and dance in the streets. But the people preferred to be in the parking lot where the church had arranged for these several musical presentations. And by the end of the carnival, the sisters and brothers from the church shared their faith with more than 500 people. And 50 of them, 50 of those 500, decided to begin a relationship with God. And as for the church, there grew a sense of urgency to share the gospel and to witness the reign of God, to the reign of God. A short time later, the congregation began to organize congregations in different parts of the city. And nine years after the carnival, five new congregations were flourishing in St. Pedro Sula. And one of the church members who actively participated in the whole project summarized the experience and said, The devil brought evil to our doors, but God give us the Holy Spirit to overcome our fears and overcome evil. And then this church member said, to God be the glory. Amen. So, that brings me to my first point and the first item to fill out on your your, uh, um, bulletin. You want, may want to take notes and complete the, the, um, the fill-in-the-blanks. And that is the believers in that Honduran congregation discovered the wonderful opportunity that God gave to them. So rather than continuing to cower in fear, rather than continuing to cower in trepidation and in despair in what might have been, and that they could not carry out their regular church meeting. They used this, they seized this opportunity as an opportunity of witness in what God can do. They seized the moment, the opportunity for the kingdom of God and to advance the kingdom of God. And so with that, I would invite you to turn to Luke 24, 35, to 43, as we look at this passage, the first part of this chapter, and it's on the, on the PowerPoint. When the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. 
This passage is immediately following the story of the two disciples, Cleopas and another disciple, on their walk to, on their walk to Emmaus. And as they slowly walked along, they were joined by this stranger with a capital S. They were joined by Jesus, but they did not recognize him. And the story ends when they shared with this stranger what they had as an act of hospitality. The story ends when they invite this stranger into their home for the night, and they are sitting around the table, and the stranger then, as they gather for the evening meal, takes the bread and lifts, broke it and lifts it to heaven and gives thanks for the bread. It was then the disciples recognized that this stranger indeed was Jesus, the one who was crucified. So, when they discovered that this indeed was Jesus, they quickly walked the seven and a half miles from Emmaus to back to Jerusalem. And the seven and a half miles, just so you can get a picture of how, how far it is, it's from here to Oregon Dairy. If you were going out to Oregon Dairy, that's approximately seven and a half miles. So I believe they quickly, they, they hastened their steps and went back to the city of Jerusalem. And there they found the disciples in Jerusalem and shared with them this marvelous story of how their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus as they broke bread together. The disciples were busily sharing with one another that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. In Luke 24, they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. So it was at that moment, as they were talking about Jesus, as they were talking about what the other disciples had experienced in finding the empty tomb, and as they were discussing these disciples, Cleopas and the other disciple came back and reported to to the disciples about this stranger on the road, as they were talking about all these events, Jesus came and stood there among them. And what happened next is similar to the story on the road to Emmaus. And the and Fred Craddock suggests that these stories have some aspects that are exactly the same and we'll have them listed for you. The first is the risen Christ appears and the disciples did not recognize him in both instances, both on the Emmaus Road and here in Jerusalem. And they, they are scolded for doubting. And then food is shared. And then they respond in wonder and joy. And so the disciples, in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their uncertainty, were filled with joy and astonishment. But there is one aspect that here in this latter story, in this last part of the the chapter, there is one aspect that is different from the first part of the story. And that is here in this last part of the chapter, they thought they were seeing a ghost. They thought that, that this was not the physicality, the physical Jesus. And so Jesus asked for a piece of of fish, and he shows them his hands and his feet. And so the word, the word to us 
as Fred Craddock suggests, that Easter is forever joined to Good Friday. And to follow, we need to follow the risen Christ, the one who bore the cross. Easter is forever joined to Good Friday. When Jesus said, see my hands and my feet. Let's look then at verses 44 to 49. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jerusalem was the center of the gospel. Jerusalem was the center of the gospel that would go to all the nations. That is where the mother church was in Jerusalem. But the disciples were not ready to preach a a crucified and a risen Christ. They were not ready to go to all the nations. They needed to wait for power. They needed to wait until they're clothed with power from the Spirit of God. They could not do this on their own strength, on their own power. They were to wait there in the city until God would send them with this spirit. And Luke continues then the story of the spirit in his second book when he tells in Acts chapter 1 that the disciples were together and seeing the Lord Jesus ascend into heaven and he gave them this promise in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And then he lists them. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And like the believers, like the church members in the city in Honduras, they could not do it on their own strength even as the believers there in in Honduras discovered, they could not do it in their own power. And the disciples were filled with wonder. They were filled with joy and astonishment that indeed Jesus was not in the tomb, that indeed, indeed Jesus was risen. Luke reports, that indeed they were filled with power as a result of the coming of the Spirit upon them. When Luke says in in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each, each of them. 
And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Back in the 1930s or in the middle of the 1900s, a Holy Spirit renewal took place in East Africa. And in their book on this revival, uh, two historians, Richard McMaster and Don Jacobs, who is from this, Don Jacobs is from this area, report that the missionaries were influenced and affected by this revival. And they say that the missionaries were not only interpreters of the revival, they were also shaped by the liberating message of the gospel and were the results of its power, end of quote. And as the missionaries came back, they were sent out by Eastern Board to what was then Tanganyika and other places in East Africa. And as they returned, there was also an impact in the area here in Lancaster County. And when one of those returned missionaries, John Moseman, preached at the East Jefferson Street Mennonite Church, one person who attended the worship service reported, the air seemed to be electrified, end of quote. Now, the Eastern Board had sent those missionaries out to introduce the gospel to people who did not know the gospel and to bring the message of Christ to other cultures. But now, but now the people back home, not only the missionaries are transformed by the East Africa revival, by the power of the Spirit of God, not only the missionaries are transformed, but also it has an impact back here in Lancaster Conference. The revival that took place in East Africa. Irene Weaver, who, is, who lived to, and as far as I know, she's still living, lived to be about 100 years old. And her husband, Ed, spent much of their lives in mission work in India and then in Africa. And Linda Hollinger Jansen uh, wrote a little booklet about her life. And she says, at the end of one hot and trying day in Ghana, that included extensive repairs to the, weaver, to the weaver's uh, station wagon, Ed and Irene went down to the beach where they often joined other prayer groups kneeling on the sand. And Irene said, I sat on a rock watching the mighty drama of the waves through my sea spray glasses. And the tide was coming in at a tremendous force, and then the tide would quickly recede again, leaving shells seaweed, fish, and debris in its wake. The ocean spray kept blurring my vision. Again and again, I kept cleaning my lenses, and the pictures in the sand around my feet brought to mind the drama of my pilgrimage in mission. How often my vision had blurred because I had not understood a people, or because I was too structured or too ambitious or because I was afraid of failure. Continually, I've had to clean the salt spray from my lenses so that I could see clearly and to pray, Lord, be thou my vision. 
end of quote. I would suggest from that story that we too need to clean our lenses to discover what God is doing and to discover where God is already working. To discover where God is working by the Spirit of God and where God is changing persons, not only the people we are sending them to, but also changing ourselves in the midst. We as believers who are clothed with power by the Spirit of God need to discover where God is working and then join God in that work. Jesus told the disciples that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be preached in all nations, all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Matthew records a similar a similar commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, what can we take away from this? And I've listed them in your bulletin. They're also on the, on the PowerPoint. The first one is we must be empowered by the Spirit of God as we live our lives. And as we share the gospel in our work and our activities to those around us, we must rely on sensing from the Spirit of God knowing the power of the Spirit of God, that we cannot do it on our own. We must have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with the Son, and through the Son then hear the promptings of the Spirit of God. Some years ago, I made a hospital visit. In fact, this was during my first pastorate. I made a hospital visit, and I drove home from the hospital, and particularly then as I got home, I was nudged by the Spirit in, in thinking about the person in the other bed, and that I had not, many times I at least say hi or speak to the other, the other patient, even though if I'm not visiting that particular person. But I, I sensed the prompting of the Spirit that I needed to, to, to do so, and go back and at least say hi, and so so I got relief from the heaviness of the spirit when I did obey that prompting and went back to the hospital. Now, nothing great happened, but I was relieved from the, the impression of the spirit of God that I was able to follow through on what God was telling me to do. And it was in the story that I led with in the church in Honduras, it was only after they prayed that the church members received power so that they could go out and even have a conversation with the dancers. It was only by their reliance on prayer, both before and during the carnival opportunity, that they were given power by the Spirit. So we dare not. We dare not rush out in our own strength. We need to wait for the Spirit from on high. And secondly, the second takeaway, as we walk in the Spirit... God will bring opportunities to witness and connect with the neighborhood that we cannot visualize at this time. 
so we can't visualize the opportunities that will come to us, opportunities to witness, opportunities that God will come, that God will bring to us. And I'm suggesting that the connections that we make in our own community here with, the, with Vacation Bible School and the annual bonfire, that these opportunities that God will be using them in a powerful way. Thirdly, we are instructed by Jesus to take the gospel to the nations, and we have been faithful in carrying out that mandate. We have our mission boards who have been involved in taking the gospel to the nations. But meanwhile, as we are doing that, the nations have come to us. Are you aware that here in Lancaster County, according to the U.S. Census, approximately 16% of persons older than five years speak a language different than English in their homes? 16%. This week, I was driving on the street on the outskirts of Lancaster, Eden Road to be exact, and I needed to stop for a school bus while the students disembarked from the school bus. And so as I was waiting there, the first person in line in front of the school bus, I noticed, I was just fascinated by, and this was close to a high-density residential area, noticed the diversity observing the diversity of students as they disembarked and jostled with one another and so forth and stopped to throw things, whatever, whatever they were doing as they were getting off of the bus and walking to their, to their home. But the diversity was just uh, astounding that right here the nations have come to us and we need to seize the opportunity. The last one, where is God asking you to take a risk in the power of the Spirit? Where is God asking you to take a risk? Is it to share your testimony, even as the people in Honduras shared their testimony to the dancers on the street, to those people who came in onto the parking lot? Is God asking you to share your testimony with a coworker? Is God asking you to identify and to discover, to identify and discover that person of peace who lives close to you, who desires to learn to know you, and then you can make connections with other people? God is asking us to go to all nations, to go to the ends of the earth. But as I've continued to emphasize, we dare not go in our own power. So as we sing, as we sing this song again, we declare your name, Lord of all the nations. We declare your name in all the earth till every knee shall bow and every tongue proclaim you. We declare your name in all the earth.